Today we are uh, concluding our series uh, entitled Bridges. We are concluding our series. I will be wrapping up this series this morning uh, with talking about the sweet spot in relationships. The sweet spot in relationships. I believe that the sweet spot in relationships is trust. You know, I was going back and forth with this, and, and last week, when Pastor Ty was preaching, he said this. He said, I became open to the gospel when his brother, when, when my brother and sister-in-law started ministering to me because I trusted them. And I was, I was looking, I was starting to study, but I was like going back and forth because I know trust, talking about trust could be a, could be a tough thing. But you know, one, I felt like it was the Lord. And when, when our pastor said that, I was sitting right there and I was like, that's my confirmation that today we're going to end this series talking about <clears throat> the sweet spot in relationships, which is trust. Listen, our relationships start with trust or build on trust. The more we trust, the more we let our guard down. We invite others into the sweet spot of our heart, our passions, and our dreams. You know, many people find it hard to trust anyone at all. And I understand this, and this is where it gets dicey. The reason why is because someone may have been invited into your sweet spot. And they've betrayed you. They disappointed you. And now you sit all alone in that space, fearful to ever bring anyone in again. And that's why trust is so dicey. It's such a, a such a dicey thing uh, to, to, to talk about or look at. But it has to be. We, we cannot go through our life not trusting anybody and just having walls around our heart. And here's why. I heard a man of God say this years ago when I was a youth pastor. He was another youth pastor. Anytime we do that, anytime we isolate our peop- ourselves, like, for example, in the instances of trust, and you p- put a barrier around yourself, you put a barrier around your heart and say, you know what, I'm never going to trust anybody again. I'm never going to let anything body in. When you build a fortress, the thing about a fortress is it doesn't let anybody in, but guess what? It doesn't let you out either. So as much as you, you, it, 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 you know, you think that it's, it, it, you're doing that. And look, I understand if you've been hurt, if you've been betrayed, and we'll talk about some of this in a little bit. We must, if we're going to have healthy, again, if we're going to build bridges, build relational bridges, we need to have trust. We need to learn. Now listen, trust is not a, a, it's not a blanket thing. It's not an easily thrown out thing. There's, there's, there's people that, that continually might cross boundaries and whatnot and understand we're not going to trust everybody. Nor should we do that? Let me say that's not healthy either. Just blindly trusting people. But I do believe in order to have healthy relationships, there must be trust. So this morning, I want to give you a few ways to cultivate or restore that sweet spot in your relationships. And it's three things. It's getting a secret place with God, solidarity with your spouse, and then security with your friends and family. So let's jump into it. Number one, you need a secret place with God. Amen. One person agrees with that. You need a secret place with God. And this is awesome. I started studying, uh, uh, you know, uh, started studying for this message earlier in the week before a lot of the changes and, and different things came down in the news and whatnot. And I started in Psalm 91. And I'm going to continue a little bit later. Actually, Ms. Babs mentioned Psalm 91 last week. We were talking, we were talking about everything going on. And she's like, you need to claim Psalms 91. And, and we all do. So I want to jump into that. Look at Psalm 91, 1 and 2. It says this. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Come on, somebody. 
I will say to the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in him I will trust. Do y'all see that? When you have a secret place, the psalmist understood he had it. He said, I will, or he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. There, he said, I will trust. If you have a secret place with the Lord, you'll be able to trust. That sweet spot with the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I pray over our time in the Word. I pray you would continue to speak to us. Help us. Lord, help me to navigate and clearly communicate this message this morning. Holy Spirit, I need your help. Lord, I can't do this on my own, nor do I want to. I need you. We need you. Not only, Lord God, for me to present it, for us to hear it, but most importantly, for us to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Psalm 91 is considered a wisdom psalm. It expresses confidence in God Almighty who provides a refuge for those who seek him and trust him. The Most High is an ancient title that expresses the Lord's exalted status as the ruler and protector of the godly. Amen? See, people understand that, that, that God is perfect and his attributes are, are totally balanced. He's both ruler and protector. You know, some people rule with an iron fist but don't care about protecting their people. The Lord is our master. He is our king. We just sang about that. But he's also our protector. Amen? You have to understand that the Lord will never betray you. As I started to say, he will never abandon you. People in your life may have betrayed your trust. People in your life may have abandoned you, have hurt you, even multiple times. But we have to understand that we can have a trust in the Lord. We can run to the secret place with the Lord in our relationships because he will never betray us. He won't abandon us. Look, King David understood this. Look what he said in Psalm 27. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. Even if my mother and father abandoned me, the Lord will hold me close. You have to get this, church. If you're hurting today, if you've been wounded, if you your trust has been betrayed by either a family member, like a mother, father, or your spouse, the person close, some of the closest people to you, you have to understand, Doug, if you don't mind, put that scripture back up. You have to get this inside your spirit, more than just in your head, to know that God is perfect. David knew, and you got to understand, and even back then, it was not very common thousands of years ago for a father and a mother to just totally abandon their children. In this day and age, it's a lot more common, right? And even back then, he penned these words because he knew that the Lord would never abandon him. And you got to understand, I mean, there's so much to this. David was on the run. David was trying, you know, he, he had failed. He had sinned that he knew the Lord would never abandon him. We have to understand we can trust the Lord. We can either uh, grow or cultivate a secret place because there is a secret place that we can run to, Psalm says, and we know that he'll never Leave us nor forsake us. He won't abandon us. All through the Bible, church, there was people that trusted the Lord. But I want to look at one more a little bit closer this morning. The Apostle Paul trusted the Lord in the storms of life and also in literal storms. So I'm going to set up this passage if you want to flip over to Acts 27. Paul was a prisoner on a ship sailing for Rome where he would stand trial before Caesar. 
So you got to understand, he's already shackled. He's a prisoner about to stand. And again, not for like not paying his taxes, for preaching the gospel, right? Okay. So he's on, he's on the, on the ship doing God's will. He's, he's heading. He already had stood, uh, before Festus and other, other, uh, uh, local authority and he appealed to go to Caesar. So now he's on a ship heading for Rome to stand before Caesar. And he's on this boat with other prisoners. If that's not bad enough, this major storm arises at sea. And let's pick up. Acts 27, verse 18. The next day, a gale force wind continued to battle the ship. The crew began throwing the cargo overboard. The following day, they even took some of the ship's gear and threw it overboard. The terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars until at last all hope was gone. Let me pause and say, even right now in our country, there's some people that are getting hopeless. So let me continue. No one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, Men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. You would have avoided all this damage and loss. Paul's kind of like, I told you so. But take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. Listen to this. This is so powerful. For last night, an angel of God, to whom I belong and whom I serve, stood beside me and he said, don't be afraid, Paul. You will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage. This is the second time Paul's telling them, hey, take courage, be encouraged. For I believe God, it will be just as he said. But we will be shipwrecked on this island. Even in the midst of a, a great storm in, on, in the middle of the sea, as a prisoner, Paul was in a sweet spot with the Lord and he was trusting him. Amen? So if you're going through a personal storm, the storm that's uh, uh, not a literal, but the storm that's hitting our, our state and our nation right now, you can still be in a sweet spot with the Lord. And that sweet spot is producing or, or, or is a, a product of trusting in the Lord. Because look, we know that from reading the New Testament, Paul had a secret place with the Lord. He had amazing time with the Lord. He heard from the Lord. He prayed. You know, in this case, in his secret place, an angel occupied that space. Could you imagine waking up tomorrow morning and wanting to have your daily devotion and you're reading your Bible, you're drinking your coffee, and you look up and there's an angel standing in the middle of your living room? Yeah, that would be good. <laughs> Probably be kind of freaky at first, you know, because, you know, right? But But think about that. An angel appeared to him. The Lord had been speaking to him. The Holy Spirit was working. The Lord sent literally an angel to speak to him and say, hey, listen, everything's going to be all right. You're going to stand. Now, you're going to stand in front of Caesar. Now, here's a side note. I love this. When Paul began to address who his God was, he spoke from identity before position. You may want to write that down. Paul spoke from identity before position. Look at verse 23 again. He said, for last night, the angel of God to whom I belong, that's identity. I belong to God. I'm a child of God. And whom I serve stood beside me. Come on, church. This is some good stuff right here. It may be hard for you to trust the Lord because you don't have an identity in the Lord. You may be serving God, but you have a hard time believing or don't fully understand that you belong to God. See, Paul had this secret place because he said, you know what? The God whom I belong, I'm his son. I belong to him. I'm his, you know, I'm, I'm looking at my friends over here with their boys and other people, their children. My, my children, they belong to me, right? 
They're they not, they not my servants. I mean, they got to do chores, no doubt. But our children aren't our servants, right? They belong to us as our children. Not, so yes, we do serve God. We do. But I love that. I, I want to reiterate that. Paul said, the God to whom I belong and who I serve. Are you identifying yourself from, uh, are you, see yourself with your relationship with God from identity first or position first? Like a position as a servant. I want to encourage you. When we get into the secret place with the Lord, he begins to reveal who he really is as a father and who we really is as his sons and daughter. See, Paul trusted God because he knew he belonged to God. See, faith can become easy when there's trust. You begin relaxing. You become transparent. You feel accepted, and you know your identity. You can have a secret place with God, of course, and take refuge in him through things like prayer, through worship, through fellowship with him, through Bible reading. It's, it's amazing. Listen, your secret place don't just have to be your closet. Sometimes my secret place is in my truck in the middle of Ambassador Caffrey. And in that moment, I could tap into the secret place. And you know what's so good about God? And I've said this before. Sometimes I'm not even trying to tap into the, my secret place. I have a worship song going on. I'm thinking about something. And it's just like in a moment, I just sense God just wrapping his arms around me. Isn't that awesome? We can tap into that secret. We can trust him. With all this going on, we can trust him. You can have a secret place with the Lord. Now, let's continue reading Psalm 91. And I want to talk about the current state that we're in right now in our community state in the country. Look at this. Because I mentioned yesterday, and I, this is now I want to talk about what should our response be according to Psalm 91 and further of everything that's going on in the current state of our country. Like I said, if, I don't know if you saw the video, but like I said yesterday, I, I've been seeing reactions and emotions everywhere for, man, I don't care, to like straight up panicking. Like I, some people, not everybody, I think are on the verge of hysteria. So look what Psalm 91 says. Psalm 91, 3 through 6. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly diseases. Somebody wants to highlight that in here today. He will protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and your protection. Man, that's so awesome. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors at night or the owls that fly in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. These were not suggestions, church. It don't matter what kind of virus is out there. The Bible says, do not be afraid. Amen? First and foremost, do not be afraid. And so listen, as a church, our response should not be fear. It should not be worry. If you're in here, if you're listening from home today, I want to encourage you from Psalm 91. You know, we should not fear. We should not worry. Now, as I say that, again, there's, there's, there's different extremes. And, and really, I've been trying to trust the Lord through this whole process. And, and as the staff, I was on the phone all day Friday making decisions, talking about what we're going to do today and, and different things, praying and asking the Lord what to share with you. I believe that there's, there's, there's extremes on both sides, Okay. So I'm trying my best with the help of the Holy Spirit to, to, to live this thing out and walk this thing out, both individually as a family and as, and as one of the leaders of this church. And this is what I believe. Look, it's good to be prepared 
against the coronavirus or any other thing like the flu or pneumonia, right? Which that's still going around. Any, anything like that, it's good. So listen, so you know, we posted on online, but even a few more things. This is how we're taking extra precautions. First of all, we have a, full, a cleaning team on staff that does a phenomenal job each and every day and each and every week on this campus. If, if you, I don't know if you've noticed, but this place stays spotless. Amen. Yeah. And so yeah, let's give it up for our, our, our cleaning. Uh, we, we call them the G team. Ms. Gloria Swallow. She's the head of our team. But they've gone over the week and before this weekend, they've gone the extra mile and have disinfected doorknobs and, 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 and countertops and, and went above and beyond to do extra cleaning. And as you probably noticed this morning, we didn't have any coffee stations, right? We just thought, you know what, that's a good thing not to do right now, not to have coffee stations where people can be grabbing the same things and, and whatnot. So we decided not to do that. Also, we suggest, listen, when you come to church, take extra precautions when you're here. I think this is wisdom, right, y'all? I don't, I don't think we, we need to be fearful, but I think we need to use wisdom at the same time, right? We don't need to be too far over on the other side as well. Listen, wash your hands, sanitize your hands. If you notice, we have extra bottles of sanitizer, you know, outside. I'm thinking about maybe starting to put some in my beard. I don't know. It might be a, a new beard oil or something maybe, and I'll, I'll stay a little clean, right? No, but seriously, you know, we have, we have sanitizer. Wash your hands, sanitize. Again, maybe just refrain from handshakes and, and things like that. Maybe just, you know, high five, pat on the back, a little fist bump, something like that. And listen, I want y'all to know as a staff, cause I started thinking through this, y'all probably know that we touch a lot of people, shake a lot of hands, encounter a lot of people. We've been doing this. I don't know if you've noticed, I think it was Pastor Dixie's idea. We've, we've have these baskets on the front row that for probably over a year now, we're constantly sanitizing our hands uh, every throughout the whole service. Matter of fact, and look, I love y'all. No offense to y'all. Every Sunday, way before all of this, when I come down now shaking hands, you probably see me. I get here and I sanitize my hands, right? So we're trying to do extra things as a staff, and we encourage y'all to do the same thing as well. Now, let me address one other thing for those of you that are home that are here. Listen, it is wise any time of the year, if you're sick, not to come to church, Right? If your children are sick, don't come to church. Whether, whatever, if you have any kind of symptoms of fever, of coughing, of whatnot, you know, it's, it's good not to be here. Two of our pastors are not here today because they're not feeling well. So guess what? They're staying home, right? So, you know, Pastor Kelly's been dealing with a fever off and on, not related. A lot of y'all know what's going on with his ears, and I, want, I encourage y'all to continue to pray for him for that. But, you know, it's just, it's, it's wise to do that. Amen? And also, if you don't feel comfortable, again, we do live stream. You can stay home. But I felt like, again, the balance is, obviously, all of y'all wanted to come to church today, right? So we needed to have church. So I, that there is a balance. So listen, we should be wise. We are taking precautions. But at the same time, Psalm 91 tells us we should not fear any disease or virus. Amen? Listen, I just read the term. I never even knew this term existed. This week, again, the term panic buying. So my wife got home Wednesday night and she starts telling me, do you know what's going on with all the toilet paper? Why is there no toilet? Why are people buying up all the toilet paper? And I said, I had no idea. I didn't even, I didn't even hear about this. And so she asked me, like, yeah, I'm trying to find out. You know, of course, you know, the Internet's crazy. There's already memes and stuff like that. People are joking around and stuff, too. And then the next day I come to, ch- to the office and I ask in the staff, hey, y'all, do you know what's up with the toilet paper? Why is the toilet paper going? They're like, I don't know. You know, so, so of course, just do a quick little Google search. And I'm not going to get into all that. I found out what one article said was the root of this that started last month all the way in China, which started with false reports. 
So let me stop right there. Started with false reports. I'll tell you real quick. What I saw was that they said that the raw materials used to make these medical masks is the same materials used to make toilet paper. So people freaked out and went by toilet paper thinking there would be a shortage of raw materials. It started in China, Australia, and also in Cajun land of Acadiana. And all three countries said, there's no shortage of toilet paper. Like all the officials are like, yeah, it's okay. Y'all don't have to, you know, and I saw it for myself for the first time yesterday. I went with my wife to Walmart, and when you go down the toilet paper aisle, it is clean, y'all. It is like no toilet paper, no, you know. But this is the term they use. They said it's called panic buying. It's called panic buying. So just stop and dwell on that for a minute. People are panicking, and they're going out to buy toilet paper, right? I'm like... that. Okay, let me just leave that alone. I can, I can stay there for a while, but I'm going to just leave that. We got to move on. I got some more of the message to preach. But, but this is what I'm saying. My point is we should not panic. We should act differently. Our response as a, as a church, first of all, so now I talked about individually. We should not panic. We should trust the Lord. We've been talking about it, singing about it, praying about it. But we should act differently, church. For those of you to hear, those of you at home, listen, we should act differently. If, if, if people know we are born again believers, we trust the most high God. Scriptures like we read, scriptures like Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Or lean not on false reports on the internet. I'm going to just add that. That's my translation. You know, we should act differently. We should not fear. We should trust the Lord. Yes, use wisdom. Do things that you know, like I just mentioned a few, to use wisdom. But we don't have to freak out. We don't have to panic. Also, now, individually as a whole as a church, you know, I started thinking about, like Pastor Ty talked about last week, he talked about building spiritual bridges, right? He talked about connecting people with the Lord. So we just read Psalm 91 that says, we can go and, and run to the Most High in the shelter of His wings. And He's our refuge. So guess what? In this time, we can lead people to the refuge. There's a lot of people that are freaking out right now, right? There's a lot of people that are fearful because they don't know the Lord. All they, all they know is what they see on the internet and what they see other people doing. Panic begets panic. And I actually read that in one of those articles. Psychologically, that's what happens. I see somebody buying up all the toilet paper. I don't even know why, but now I gotta go buy a bunch of toilet paper, right? And, and really, that, that's the trigger. I, and I'm being serious. I know that's kind of, it is kind of funny, but you know why they're doing that? I have compassion on them because they don't know Christ. They don't have the same peace we have. They don't have the same, they, they don't understand they can have the same access we have. So our response as a church should be, Hey, you know what? Let's build a spiritual bridge, as Pastor Todd talked about, and be a light to them. Lead them to Christ. Lead them to the refuge. Let them know, man, listen, you don't have to freak out. It's okay. You don't have to have anxiety. You don't have to have all this stress. And then I read this scripture this morning. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is great. Mark 3.8 says this. This was speaking of Jesus. The news about his miracles had spread far and wide, and vast numbers of people came to see him. Oh, my goodness. I started thinking, as negative news about the virus spreads, why don't we spread the good news to vast amounts of people? Amen? Leave that up there. The news, this is good news. This is what Pastor Talk talked about. As it's spreading, and it does, across the Internet, it's crazy, all the different reports and all the different. I mean, if I got a nickel for every time I heard, you know, I heard somebody say, right? The tithe and the offerings would go up today, right? If I Because... 
I heard this. I, well, how do you know that? Well, somebody told me that. I heard that. Somebody said, somebody put it on Facebook. Well, it must be true. It's on Facebook, right? All this negative news spreads. But look, look, y'all, as, as the church, this was the early church. Focus on this. The early church said the news, the Bible says the news of his miracles. This is his power, y'all. Come on now. This is the power, the presence of the most high God. As we read about in Psalm 91, it's the same God they're talking about in Mark 3, 8. The Lord Jesus Christ, amen. As his, as his, the news about his miracles spread far and wide, a vast number of people came to see him. As negative news spreads, let's continue to spread the good news. And prayerfully, vast numbers of people come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. We can, we can spread the good news about Jesus, his miracle working power, his peace, and salvation that only comes through him. There's still only one name under heaven by which men can be saved. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. So listen, we don't have to respond in worry, in fear, in panic. We can trust. We can have peace. We need to be a light. We need to spread the good news. So I love how my wife said early on, be prepared, but don't panic. It's real simple. Be prepared, but don't panic. Trust the Lord. He is our refuge Take shelter in him. Listen, reflect the Lord's light, share God's love, and be steady and stable by God's grace in this unstable and unsettling times. People of emotions are going up and down. Information is going up and down, right? I mean, look, I was, I was sitting at the car wash yesterday, and I was actually working on finishing up my, my message from the wedding I officiated last night, and there was a lady on the side of me. She was on the phone, and she was just all over the place. And I heard it. What man? A friend of mine said a friend of mine in New York died, and this and man, they said if we don't do it, then and she had all these numbers, and I'm just like, Jiminy Christmas. I'm like just working, like, but you could just tell it's just all. It's unsettling to people. It's people are unstable. Listen, y'all, we have a great opportunity as the church right now. You know, Tina said it earlier. As me and Tina were talking, she said this is the church's time to shine, and I agree with her. Amen. As a church, we can rise up. We can have a different response than the world. Again, yes, be wise. Wash your hands. Stay home if you're sick. You're right. Do those kind of things you need to do. Take those, those precautions. That's using wisdom, no doubt. But listen, let's respond in a way that nobody else is responding. The church should rise up, be the light, be stable, be steady, preach the gospel, love on people, not just with your words, help people out in whatever you can do. Amen? All right, that's just my first point. So point number two, but I only have two more. So I, obviously I, I wanted to add a little bit more. I finished this up on Thursday and was going there, but a lot happened since Thursday afternoon, right? So number two, remember we're finishing up our series, but this is important to have a secret place and trust God, not only whenever we have stuff like this going on, every single day of your life. In the good, in the bad, we need to have a secret place, a place, and it, uh, that place, again, is not physical, it's inside. It's, Lord, I trust you with my life. I trust you with my all. I trust you with my children, my finances, my health, with everything. You are the most high, and I'm going to run into your refuge. Amen? Number two, you need solidarity with your wife or your spouse. I'm sorry. You need solidarity with your spouse. Your spouse. I'm thinking about wife because, of course, I have a wife. Matthew 19, 4 and 5. Haven't you read the scriptures? Jesus replied. This is the Lord speaking. They record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. You know, another word for solidarity is unity. Now, I'll be honest, for years, I just thought and even preached about being in unity. And I thought unity just meant like being in agreement, kind of, you know, being on the same page. 
But the word unity actually means being one. Listen to one of the definitions. And I looked it up a different from the O, from the, listen, the state of being one, oneness, a whole or totality of combining all of parts into one, the state or fact of being united or combined into one as different parts of a whole, unvaried or uniform in character, oneness of mind, feeling, etc. That's what Jesus was talking about when he said that the two become one. You need to be united. Psalm also tells the book of Psalms also tells us uh, about unity, and I love this. And this goes this goes for everybody. Look at Psalm one thirty three one. It says, "How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity." A lot of us in here are married. We are God's people, right? If you're a born again believer and you have you're a husband and wife, you're God's people. So guess what? Psalm one thirty three applies to you and your marriage as well. How beautiful and pleasant it is when God's people live in unity. Marriage is beauty. As beautiful, I'm combining my words now. Marriage is beautiful when we maintain unity with our spouse. Now, does unity mean we agree all the time? Absolutely not. That's called perfection. And we're not going to reach that till we get to heaven, right? You put two different people in the same room even for a little while, there's going to be, right? So I'm not saying you got to be perfect, but you, I'm talking about having unity, solidarity. Let's continue to read Psalm 133. It says harmony. It's a new living, but that all mean the same unity. Harmony is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head, that ran down on his beard and into the border of his robe. Harmony is as refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountains of Zion. And there the Lord has pronounced his blessing, life everlasting. I love this. When we're in unity with our spouse or anybody as a church, there's an anointing, it's refresh, refreshing, and there the Lord pronounces or commands a blessing. Listen, you know, we pray to be blessed and we pray to be blessed in our marriage. You know, one of the best ways to get the Lord's blessing and anointing is by being in unity. It's by having solidarity with your spouse. So I love this. A married couple that are in unity are not only beautiful, they're powerful. Let me say that again. A married couple that's in unity or not, it's not only a beautiful thing, it's a powerful thing. It is so powerful when you walk through tough times to be in unity, to be one. Listen, these are the reasons why the church needs to stay unified during this certain time as well. Listen, not everybody in this building probably even is going to agree. And some of our, our, our brothers and sisters that might be watching from home, I've talked to a couple people. We're not all going to be in total agreement about what to do right now and how to handle this. But for the most part, in heart and spirit, we still got to be one, church. We still got to remember what we say all the time. There's more that unites us than what divides us. And we got to be united. We got to be one. So trusting can become easy when you are living in this kind of unity, going back to your spouse. See, trust in marriage is learning to be real with your spouse. It's being honest with them. It's telling them your deepest secrets in life. It is never fearing that they will take what you share in secret and broadcast it to the world. That, that's, that's the kind of trust we're, we're, we're working on and shooting for in a marriage. That's why marriage can be so fulfilling. There is someone there who will never betray your trust. Now, again, I understand that this takes work and healing if your spouse has betrayed your trust. I understand that. And I'm not just understanding that from a um, research point of view. Can I just open up my life a little bit with y'all and get real? 
quite a few years ago, my wife and I were in a rough patch in our marriage, and we were beginning to talk, and she asked me, she said, you know, who's your best friend? We started naming some of our friends. I got a couple of my friends that I grew up with that are here in church. I got some really good friends. She said, who, who do you think's your best friend? And I begin to think about all the guys in my life and this and that. And honest, this was an honest answer. When I begin to think, who do I trust 100%? Not that I don't trust these guys. Who do I want to go to in a tough time? I want to be there. I looked at my wife and I said, it's you. And she said, really? So I was like, yeah. So I was like, a, oh, moment. Like, yeah. And I was like feeling all warm and everything. Yeah, well, hold, hold that thought. Because this is true. I looked at her and I said, who's your best friend? And she told me. And I said, so it's not me? And she said, no. I said, well, why not? She said, because I can't fully trust you. And at first I was like, you can't trust me. Like, what do you think? I, I, you think I cheat on you or something? She said, no, no, no. I'm not even talking about that. I don't, I don't doubt. I don't ever think you'd be unfaithful or do any of that. She said, I don't trust you with my feelings. She said, you've hurt me so many times with your words that I can't trust you with my feelings. Now, look, I'm just being real with y'all, church. I'm just laying it all out there because I hope this helps somebody today. You might have a spouse, both man or woman, that's sitting next to you that may feel the same way. And I'm going to give you some homework because this was part of this that Pastor Larry gave us homework at a, a conference. I'm going to challenge you. When you get in your car today, you drive home or sometime away from the kids or whatnot, ask your spouse if they fully trust you. Now, listen, I know I'm... It, it, like me, I wasn't prepared, but I'm encouraging you, be prepared for a true answer. Because the good news with all this is that many years later, just recently, I wasn't even asking her. My wife, one day we were sitting down talking, and she said, you know what? You're my best friend now. Amen? So I understand. That took time, prayer, a lot of work on my part, healing on her part. The Lord had to heal her. For, for the, the things that I had did to her. And again, guys, it was all verbal. It was the way I was, I was, how I hurted her feelings by the way I would talk to her, how I would react or respond. She couldn't trust me. But years later now, and of course we got counsel from Pastor Todd and, and, and Tanya. And now she told me recently that I'm her best friend. And I asked her, I actually called her. I picked up a phone like I do a lot for illustration. I said, Hey, so I'm thinking about using this as an illustration that the office study. I was like, you do trust me, right? <laughs> I was like, that's, that's, she said, absolutely, 100%. I said, okay, I just, I thought we had this conversation, but before I go before the church and the internet and God and everybody, you know, I want to make sure I'm legit. And she said, yes. Yeah. So I want to encourage you. Listen, that was very hard for me to hear that my own wife didn't trust me with her feelings, but it was my own fault. I mean, I, I owned up to it. I saw it right when she said it, it's like the Lord opened up, you know, a, a scroll and showed me how the things that I had did to hurt her. Thankfully, years later, through, again, prayer, healing, counseling, that, that we're, we're the strongest our marriage has ever been. And she'll confirm it. You can go ask her. She will confirm that. And so there's hope. So, again, you need to either build on that unity, that trust with your wife, or restore it. And, again, it starts with, if you're not sure, ask your spouse, do you fully trust me? And go from there. Now, I know I might have just increased our counseling load here at church, but that's okay. That's all right. Because you know what? We don't just preach messages to fill up the time on Sundays. We're trying to preach for life change. We want your marriage to be healthy. We put seven weeks into this series because we truly believe how important healthy marriages are, healthy relationships across the board are. Amen? And the third and final thing is you need to restore security with your friends and family. Proverbs 18.28 says this, There are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer 
than a brother. You know, mistrust can destroy friendships. Mistrust can destroy friendships. You know, I heard someone talking recently about the trust gap, and specifically with friends and coworkers. When they do something that disappoints you, they create a gap between you and them. And they can, you either can attack them about it, which is mistrust, or you can give them a chance to fill that gap, which is trust. If someone creates a trust gap, for example, you might say something like, you know, I trust you, so I'm sure you had a good explanation for this gap, for, for what you did. Can you help me to understand it? You know, they may admit their failure and give you some insight into their dilemma. You remember we talked about a couple of weeks ago, if somebody, you know, well, I talked about don't assume the worst of somebody right off the bat. And again, I understand. I want to continue to preface. If you've been hurt, if you've been mistrayed, betrayed, or you, people has betrayed your trust, this will be hard to do. You automatically, from your experience, you're going to automatically assume that they're out to get me. There's a gap for a reason. But if this is a true friendship, y'all, I'm talking about like real, like solid friendships here too. And it could be coworkers as well. Again, communicate. Say, look, I feel like there's this gap between us. Can you explain this? You know, what's cool is that I talked to a brother just this week. Owns a company. Brother in the church. Owns a company. And he was telling me that they're looking at. So, first of all, I'm talking about friendships. Let's go to business now or your work. This brother in the church says, you know what? They're looking at a certain employee in their company to have a major role in the future because they trust him. They said, you know, we're, 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 we're looking at approaching him one day to have a major, I mean, a key player in the, in the company. And that was his words because we trust him. We need somebody like him that we can trust. When you build trust, whether it's in marriage, friendships, business, I tell you what, man, your relationships can begin to flourish. This applies to family members as well. Listen, families are losing that sweet spot, I believe. As families break up, betrayal and mistrust accelerates. Wouldn't you agree with that? You might see that in some of your own family. If it's not, you know, immediate, maybe extended family. You know, Mary, the mother of Jesus, had a special relationship with one of her, her relatives named Elizabeth. The King James identifies Elizabeth as Mary's cousin, but in the original Greek, it's a more general term as a relative. So I want to set up this story, then we're going to read Luke chapter 1, verse 39. So if you remember in Luke, or if you haven't, if you never read the story about, you probably have a lot of people around Christmas read the story, even if you're not that familiar with the Bible, about the birth of Jesus. So both Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Elizabeth were both pregnant at the same time, and they were both supernatural occurrences. You see, Elizabeth and her husband, Zachariah, was very old, and the angel Gabriel appeared to them and told them that they would have a baby. Then the angel Gabriel, the same angel, appeared to Mary when she was on a, when she was still a virgin and told her that she would have a baby as well. Then the angel also told Gabriel, Hey, look, your, your relative Elizabeth is already six months pregnant. So she's pregnant. So that sets up the story. Both of these ladies are pregnant supernaturally. One was too old to have kids and one was a virgin. And so, Check this out. They're relatives. Watch this. Luke chapter 1, verse 39 and 45. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. Excuse me. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Pause. Elizabeth's baby was John the Baptist, by the way. Side note. It was John the Baptist she was pregnant with. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? 
When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You were blessed because you believed that the Lord, you believed that the Lord would do what he said he would do. And then in verse 56, it says, Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then went back to their own home. Now, think about this. Let me, let, let me try to paint you a picture here. We have to remember Mary wasn't married yet when she became pregnant. Now, we're talking about trust in relationships, right? And we know that Joseph already thought that she had got pregnant for another man. And we know that because look at Matthew 1, 18 and 19. It says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. It says, Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. You see that? He was breaking the engagement because he thought that she got pregnant for another man. So already we see Joseph until the angel appears to him and says, oh, no, 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 don't send her away. The Holy Spirit got her pregnant. She's good. All right. So that's my that's my terminology right there. So so he got the revelation and understood that. So you got to think now she's pregnant as a virgin runs to Elizabeth, and so you got to think, they both trusted the Lord, because if she went to Elizabeth, Elizabeth could have thought Joseph got her pregnant. Think about it. You ever, I never thought through this script, this story. If, if it wasn't for the Lord to tell Elizabeth, Mary had to trust Elizabeth big time and trust what the angel told her, that, hey, you can go tell your cousin. Because everybody else in the village was like, man, this ain't good, you know? She's got, she got pregnant and we know they're not married yet. So she trusted first the Lord, number one, secret place with the Lord, remember? And she also had this close relationship with her family that she went and rejoiced, told her about it. Mary trusted the Lord and Elizabeth enough to go with her and tell her this news and stay with her for another three months. So think about that. There must have been a close relationship because you know people were talking. Come on, somebody. Even back then, people talk, right? They had, you know, instant messenger and, 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 you know, text message, but people still talk. Did you know Mary was pregnant? Did you, the wedding didn't come yet. You know, there's only, you know, so she went and I see that as a refuge. She went to someone like Elizabeth that she could rejoice with and someone who would protect her. She had a trusting relationship with Elizabeth because she knew she would protect her. She would be there with her and she would rejoice with her. Isn't this good stuff? Listen, fill the gaps in your family with love, forgiveness, and acceptance. Listen, we need to have restore this security with our friends and our family, y'all. Amen? So as we close, let me just encourage you again. Let's repopulate the sweet spots in our relationships. Let's repopulate the, the trust gaps. Let's fill these trust gaps. By number one, start with God, who you know you can totally trust, even when the whole world is attacking you or coming against you or un the whole world is in uncertainty like right now, so to speak. But you have to know that if you don't, I'm going to pray for you that the Lord reveals that you can totally trust them. Number two, restore the solidarity of marriage by admitting your own failures and pledging your covenant. Look, I admitted my failures to y'all, the whole church. If you've messed up, if you cause mistrust with your spouse, let them know that and begin to restore it. Listen, they still with you today because obviously they love you, right? And they're committed to this covenant. So, but there might be a trust gap there. Work to be united into one. And finally, surround yourself with the right friends and family, coworkers and business partners that you can have security with. Because life has no meaning when the only person in your sweet spot is you. Would you please bow your head with me? I want to pray for you. If you're struggling today that with knowing that you can trust the Lord, I want to pray for you in and, 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 and hopes that you will be able to 
be healed and surrender to him. And then I also want to pray for marriages as well and friendships. Father, I pray for these that, Lord, may be struggling. They may be having a hard time, Lord, being able to totally trust you, to be able to create or come into that secret place of the Most High, in this refuge, in the shadow of your wings. And, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that, Lord God, if there's anybody in here that, Lord God, doesn't, doesn't think they can fully trust you, I pray, Lord, that you would you would break that mindset, break that stronghold, bring healing where and dysfunction, which maybe has caused this this disbelief or this mistrust of you, our perfect heavenly Father. Lord, I pray for marriages right now. If there's mistrust, Lord God, in marriages, Lord God, if there's a trust gap there in a marriage where like someone has betrayed uh, another spouse's trust or, or 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 something that's caused that, Lord God, I pray that you would bring honesty, bring healing, bring a revelation of that, so that we can be in one in our marriages and. Lord, help us to restore, Lord God, security, Lord, with our friends, the rest of our family, and our co-workers, Lord, in Jesus' name. Now, I want to read one final scripture before we go. Acts 16, 31 says this, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and entrust yourself to him, and you will be saved, you and your household, if they also believe. As Pastor Todd said last week, None of us are automatically saved. We're not born saved. We have to entrust. The whole message today has been about trust. As we conclude this whole series, have you entrusted your life into the hands of the Most High God? For you sitting at home today, have you entrusted your life? Have you surrendered your life to Christ? Listen, we know, and I always say this, this is not a fear tactic. Again, this is not to worry. But the truth is, some people have died from this new virus. But you know, you have more chance of dying in a car accident. But if you perish from a sickness or from a car wreck, do you know where you're going after you die? The Bible makes it clear there's either heaven or hell. There's no in-between, church. And for those of you listening, there's no in-between. One more time, would you bow your heads with me? Would you close your eyes? From Acts 16.31, it says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That word means to trust. Like if you would trust a parachute to save you if you jumped out of a plane as your personal Lord and Savior and entrust yourself to Him. You can't be saved because He's your mom or your daddy's Savior or anybody else. He has to be your personal Lord and Savior if you believe, if you trust Him. The Bible says we've all sinned and fall short of God's glorious standard and the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of life is uh, the free gift is eternal life through Christ Jesus. So if you say, Brandon, I've never fully entrusted my life to the Lord. I haven't made him my personal Lord and Savior. I know that I've sinned and I want to get right with him today. If that's you. I just want you to lift up your hands in here. Just lift up your hands. I see your hand, ma'am. Anybody else? Anybody else? And if that's at home, I want you to acknowledge it as well in your heart. Anyone else? Say, man, I need to get right with God. I need to, I, I need to be saved. I need to be born again. All right, we're going to pray with these. We're going to join together as a family. If you're at home and you know you need to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, I just want you to repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, Lord, I know that I've sinned, and I pray that you would forgive me of my sins. I make you my Lord and Savior. Now give me the grace and give me the strength to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Come on, let's give these a round of applause. Thank you, Lord. For those of you that raised your hand, there's a card in the pew in, 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 in front of you that says, I made a decision. Please fill that out. 
Bring it to the info center on the rest. Hey, if you're watching online, let us know on Facebook or on our website that you made that decision as well. You know, why don't you go ahead and stand up with me and let me bless you as you go. Lord, I thank you for these today. Lord, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. Thank you for those that made this decision to join the family of God today. I pray you bless them, protect them, watch over them, continue to fill them with peace, power, provision, and help us to be a light and an example in these trying and unsettling times, Lord. And we'll be sure to give you all the glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. God bless y'all. We love y'all.